The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know I start the show with a lot of energy, and I will. But hello, welcome to Hoop Ball Hawks. Here, the new show on the Hoop Ball Network that's taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, on June 21st, Monday, after you knew what happened the day before. If you're listening to this podcast, you knew what happened the day before. So I'm going to start this off by reading... Some lyrics from the great Lil Uzi Vert, who may be upset today because he is a Philadelphia resident. Now is my time. Now is my time. And here in Atlanta, everybody rock with me because I'm up now. I took a girl and I'm going to score like I'm making a touchdown. Swerving in that Lambo, doors go up, not a bus now. I used to want a G-Shock. Now I'm walking with a bus down. Mm. And we busted down. The Philadelphia 76ers last night, and you know we 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 were at the local watering holes. You know we we are here on the part on the podcast today. We got some good guests today. We celebrated accordingly. Um, I'm not going to speak for myself, but I know that Philly Pack was up across the entire metropolitan area here in the Atlanta, and, and just just great, just a great great night. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Man, I, I had to come in so smooth. Uh, it's going to be a lot of energy throughout the show. It's going to be a lot of positive energy on the show. But I wanted to start it off with that. You already know what the vibes are. You already know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Game 7. We're going to talk about Game 7 last night. We're going to talk about how uh, the Nostradamus here, your boy, yours truly, the host of Hoopball Hawks, Brad Harden, was right on a lot of things, hit the hammer on the nail, and like I said, I got two special guests here today to talk over that and preview the much-anticipated matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. Feels good to say that. Eastern Conference Finals where your Atlanta Hawks will take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, we got to go to Milwaukee. The Hawks have already talked. We're still playing in the NBA playoffs. So we're going to cover all this after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, Turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HoopBall to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. 
So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. Woke up with my Thule, what it do? Meet me in the alley with the troops. I got red shooters. I got blue. We lay that thing down and point at you. My shooters are here on the broadcast today. It's my friend, Alan Sproke, and my boy, David Bracey, here to talk over the monumental win last night over the Philadelphia 76ers game seven. I'm going to start out with you, Alan. Alan, we have talked multiple times in the last 18 hours and... It, it was a no-brainer to get you on the show today. Alan, tell the listeners how you are feeling as a lifelong fan of these Atlanta Hawks. Um, I am feeling <laughs> I, I, I can't describe what I'm feeling because as a lifelong uh, fan of the Atlanta Hawks, we are in uncharted territory. And I, I have so many emotions I want to express. I am so excited about this team. But I, I, I do I have to start off here with a mea culpa. Uh, I, want, I want to take you all, the listeners, David, uh, Brad, I want to take you all back to March March 1st, 2021, the day I have never been more wrong in my entire life. I uh, That was the day that Lloyd Pierce was fired, a move that I supported at the time. I stood by it. I'm like, this is, you got to do it. You got to pull the plug here. It's not working. But I was, I was wrong. I was loud and wrong because I was adamant that the Hawks issues that they had displayed that point of the season ran deeper than that coaching than what was going on with the coaching staff i was saying that this was a roster that was incompatible with the schemes that both floyd pierce and nate mcmillan were going to institute i thought that injuries had done us in i thought that we didn't have the composure in fourth quarters to make it out of any type of high leverage situation any of these games and fast forward three months later and nate mcmillan has (laughs) He, what he has done here, he has redefined how I view being a, an NBA coach, being a head coach, just a leader of, of people. This, what he has done in every capacity, I think he has gotten the most out of his guys in a real meaningful way. The rotations have been incredible. The players have been amazing, and they play for each other. They, they execute down the stretch, and I love that they have this unmatched confidence in all of these games. I, I think my, the of all the incredible stuff that I was reading about what happened last night, the, my favorite thing was that Nate McMillan told these guys to pack their bags for six days. You ain't going back to Atlanta. You're going to Milwaukee after we're done here. And that's what they did. Mm. Mm. They took care of business, and now they're heading to the Eastern Conference Finals, one year removed from their rebuild. Ladies and gentlemen, I was wrong. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Don't take me too seriously because I was wrong. That was the biggest move, one of the biggest moves in Atlanta Hawks history. <laughs> it wound up being that fateful day. Could not be happier being a fan and supporting these guys. I, they, they've inspired. I've taken a long time here. I'm sorry, but you all just need to know I, that, that, that's on me. No Nate, apologies. No apologies there. Nate, yes. you're here, you're, Nate, Nate, you better be here for the next decade. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. And like, like I said, do not apologize. You deserve the mic. Uh, we're not going to take it away from you like Kanye from Taylor Swift. You you deserve that moment. You deserve your moment in the sun. 
and it's well, just it's a tribute moment, to they, yeah, it's, they, it's their moment. But you these guys are winners. But you know, you know what I'm saying. This is mm-hmm. your moment as well. Uh, riding or dying with this franchise for so many years, and it, no secret the confidence of this team because Nate McMillan is such a confident coach. Uh, you can see how he carries himself in the in the huddle, and even the speech uh, that you can see on Atlanta Hawks uh, social media. Uh, players after the game last night after the win, uh, before obviously Quavo got in there and started dancing. Ain't nothing but a little bit straightening. You, before he did that, just you can hear the confidence and uh, it, it trickled down. It trickles down to everybody else on the roster. It's, it's infectious and I, and I just absolutely love it. So um, we talked about un- uncharted territories with Atlanta here in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's definitely been uncharted waters and will continue to be for this reiteration of the Philadelphia 76ers. But now it's time to give, you know, a little bit of love. And um, I'm sorry we've been holding you, holding you back. It's time to release you from um, the cage, young lion, young king himself, King Drip, David Bracey. Tell the audience what is good today. Man, life is good. It's not as good as life in the great state of Georgia right now, you know, after the Atlanta Hawks victory. Pulling out the big dub in Philly. I think Trey Young actually doubled back around after the game and put another crack in the Liberty Bell, man. I swear to God, the city of Philly is hurting, hurting. And it might not have been Trey Young to put a crack in that Liberty Bell. It might have been Ben Simmons at the free throw line. But either way, I mean, shooter's going to shoot. And very clearly, we know what Ben Simmons is not. So, woo, woo, Atlanta flying high today. Proud of y'all. Proud of y'all. And two AT aliens on the podcast today, nobody better. Nobody better to talk about what comes next. Just glad to be here, gentlemen. Man, we're glad to have you on board. And um, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I don't know where to start from last night. Um, I guess, I guess, gentlemen, we can start at the top with obviously our star player, Trey Young, who honestly was pretty abysmal from the field the most of the night until the fourth quarter. Uh, and there was at one point he was one for 14 from the floor. And it was it was tough sledding for him, tough sledding. But the, we've seen time and time and after again um, in this series that this team does not give up. This team always fights. And I was just sitting there watching the game. I'm like, all Trey Young needs is one shot to go in, just one shot. And then once that floater went in midway in the fourth quarter, I said, okay, that's all he needs. All he needed to see was one field goal go in because. I, I don't like that he missed two free throws. I said in the program before that I wanted him to make all of his free throws, and he was nine of eleven. Uh, no Porsches here, but nine of eleven from the free throw line. That's not not bad, not bad. But we'll take it. But going five of twenty three from the field, two of eleven from three, you still score twenty one points. You still still have uh, ten assists. You have six turnovers. But we'll, we'll, it's game seven. You knew it was going to be tight. Four fouls. You knew it was going to be um, a battle. And he was still plus seven even with his. Uh, lack of efficiency from the field. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with you, um, Alan. Thoughts on Trey's game last night? Trey's game last night, really just like that, that whole, the whole spiel I gave at the top of this, I, I think it really encapsulates it, honestly, because Trey's shot was wayward the whole game. Um, I, I believe that he had comments after post game saying that his shoulder really started to give out on him. Uh, that, you know, the one that he's been heating up, uh, and keeping under wraps for the last few games. Uh, he said it just was really hurting, couldn't get the shot to fall. But what was so impressive about it, I mean, one, I don't think I ever really lost confidence in his ability to get going. Just watching him out there, despite the fact that his shot wasn't going, 
you couldn't tell if you just tuned into the game at any particular moment, you, the way that Trey was, anytime he went up for a shot, you could have guessed like, ah, oh, he's just, it's just Trey young doing Trey young things. He's been scoring 25 points a game. And he's just, he's at it again. He just, he didn't look rattled out there, man. He didn't look rattled at one point, certainly not to the degree that Ben Simmons did or that Joel Embiid did. I mean, he, 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 just like you said, like I was just waiting for that one shot to go. Cause you knew that as soon as he got that floater to maybe get him to a rhythm, that more would come. He ended up scoring 10 points in that fourth quarter, including a gigantic three, like 30 feet down. He, I mean, you know, Nate McMillan and Trey, it starts with those two. They, they have just like these lion hearts, bro. Like they are just so unshaken by anything that Philadelphia threw at them, anything at all points. And I just, you know, we don't need to talk about the, the shooting numbers. They're bad. We get it. But Trey never gave up. He didn't quit. He he continued to dish it as he always does to all of his teammates. And I mean, bro, like it, you just, <laughs> I you, you can't deny the results, and you cannot deny that when the spotlight was the hottest, Trey Young, despite being the coldest guy on the floor, was the one who you know he just there was no quitting him. And that whole team, our entire team, they follow suit. So. Can't, shout out to you, Trey. That maybe maybe been his worst game of the playoffs, but it was a fantastic game. Yeah, and all that matters is the end result. And the end result was in favor of the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, I'm gonna kick it to you, David. Uh, you can we're open the floor, obviously, to Trey Young, or if there's somebody else uh, that you know your boy was right about, uh, <laughs> or or the other side of it. Um, we, obviously, we're gonna go back and forth talking about both of these teams because uh, there's a lot of interesting, you know, storylines on the Philadelphia side. But uh, I'm just basically gonna let you get, you know, your first take as far as last night's game, what stood out to you. Yeah, I mean, instant reactions, you know, echo a lot of the same sentiment that Allen just shared. I mean, Trey Young is, this guy is, I mean, to say very good is an understatement. I mean, the fact that the Hawks have no all-stars or all-NBA players on their roster yet are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and, I mean, are very, I mean, they have a punt, more than a puncher's chance at the NBA Finals. This is, this is incredible, and to think of how many people had, written him off you know I mean even even me to some degree at some point to Alan's point again you know my, my own mea culpa here I I took the position you know if it's Doncic or Trey Young I, I'm clearly rolling with Doncic 10 times out of 10 I I think I was I think I was wrong here I think I jumped the gun I think that Atlanta has a guy who is going to be a a fixture in the NBA going forward a a continuous all-star, a potential top 10 kind of guy. And you might look at the conference finals on both sides of the, of the NBA right now and kind of think to yourself, eh, meh, you know, not really the superstars that I was looking for. Well, this might be the next crop of them right here before our eyes. So we should appreciate it at its inception, you know, because this is what we desire. We wanted a more, we wanted more competitive balance in the NBA. Well, clearly we got it because nobody picked any of these teams to be where they are right now, especially not the Hawks. So that I got to start there. And, I also got to say, even though Trey Young did struggle from the from the field last night, you could see that there was no fear. There was no fear. And I think that his ability to impact the game the way he does, because to me, when that momentum really shifted was when he started, yeah, hitting those floaters, when he started throwing those oops, making those passes. And that's why, to me, he is more of a he's more of a a Steve Nash than a Steph Curry. 
with his ability to impact the game, how he plays, and he's very streaky. But it doesn't take much to get that fire started. And once it's ignited, you're in trouble. And you can see it was burning in his eyes the entire time, the entire game. And when you looked in, in Joel's eyes, when you looked in Ben's eyes, you saw fear, fear, because this is a home game with pressure and expectations. And Alan, this is something Brad and I talked about earlier today. You know, that, that, that is the reality of the situation. Nobody expected the Hawks to be here. The Hawks can say that they expected to be here, as they should, because that's the competitive drive that's clearly the engine of that roster. And, of course, it starts with Dave McMillan. It starts with Trey Young. It starts with guys like that. But even the Hawks, I mean, like, are on a real level here. Like, because nothing is promised. They suffered injuries. They had a, a bunch of new guys on the roster. They had two coaches in a season. I mean, this could have gone a whole bunch of ways. But the Hawks continue to show up and battle every single game like they have nothing to lose because they don't. This season is a success for them no matter when it ends, in my opinion. Philadelphia? And Philadelphia, that's not the case for them. They came into this season with expectations, real ones, that have been lingering for season after season after season. How long can the process last okay, before the process has passed? And clearly, we, we are at the end of it. We're at the end of it here. Yeah, and the, the the thing I just wanted to just add at the end of that, I mean, you're completely right that these, you know, they, they just that it's just that no, we're not here to give up mentality. We're not here to go home. I think Kevin Hurd, star of the game afterwards, put it yeah. perfectly. It's like we didn't come this far just to come this far. Like I don't think, and it's more than just the cliches and like you know the rah rah after the game. They say all the right things, but you can really tell when they're out there. The, these guys, they know that they belong. Whether or not the national media believes that, whether or not fans like us predicted that that was going to happen, even the truest of Hawks fans may not have seen this coming. I really do just get this, this impression here that these guys feel like they can beat anyone right now. And it's kind of tough to argue that considering what we've, we've seen to this point. And Nabin Mellon, after the game last night, he's like, we are built for this. We are built for this. I said it on the program the, the uh, last episode. They're built for this moment. Everybody on this team is built for this moment because of what they've been through throughout the season. We talked about the adversity, the changes, the hurdles they had to climb and um, jump across uh, throughout the entire uh, NBA season, more so than a lot of other teams in the league. And for them to get to this point, backs against the wall, they had no fear because they've done this. They've done this. And there's been moments where people have stepped up. Through, through, across this roster throughout the entire season. So to have Kevin Herter, who I said on the episode before, prove me right, shout out Red Velvet, proving me right, and uh, obviously proving me wrong through a lot of the times of the season. But now I started seeing something different, had to change my perspective. And he's been ready for this moment. He's been ready for this moment this entire season. I, I talked to Mr. Jordan Boatwright. Shout out uh, Mr. ATL Player Development. We're going to get you on the show eventually uh, to talk through this. But yes, yeah, like, He's like, we've been saying that Herder's been ready for this. Um, he just needs to, they just let him, need to let him be aggressive. Just go out, play your game. And that's what he did. He had to do it. Bogey played 21 minutes, but, you know, four points with a bad knee. Like, it, we, I did not expect to even get that out of Bogey. I didn't even expect him to play. So, as I said, Kevin Herder was going to have to be the X Factor. And you come out and you score 27 points, 10 of 18 from the field. Two or four from three, five or seven from the free throw line. You grab seven rebounds, dish out three assists, only have one turnover, uh, four fouls, uh, which is a, a little bit of an improvement because you know, he can, you know, get into foul trouble there. But 
just his confidence, his, him attacking, getting to the rim, scoring in the mid-range game, which he's pretty much automatic from the mid-range game, being that triple-level threat that he is. Kevin Herter opened a lot of people's eyes across the, the league, and I know Mr. Boatwright, we were talking about this. He said, man, we better pay him or else somebody will. I think Kevin Herter's going to get paid. I think he's going to stay. And um, that's a conversation for the offseason. But like I said, we're talking about postseason right now. We're still talking about NBA playoffs. But Kevin Herter was nothing short of special. And we saw it in game six with obviously 15 in the first half. But then, like I said, you got to play a full 48. He only had two points the rest of the way in the second half of game six. And for him to complete the game, play 40 minutes and give us 27 points when it desperately needed, when Trey Young was uh, – was struggling from the field when Bogey was pretty much unavailable for most of the game. He didn't get a huge offensive outburst from uh, John Collins, but John Collins was big nonetheless. Uh, he played a terrific game last night, and Gallo off the bench with 17 points. Uh, he had another great game off the bench the last three games. He's been stellar offensively uh, for the Hawks, uh, but outside of that, you only get seven other points from your bench between Okongu and Lou Will scoring-wise. So, Herder, I said you were going to be the X Factor. We cannot thank you enough for your contributions. And we know that it's not over yet. It's not over yet. There's a, a whole other series. Uh, so, like I said, I kind of jumped around with the entire roster for Atlanta. I'm just, you know, just kind of just jumping around because we're just really excited today. But on the Philadelphia side of things, and I, I'm open this up to anybody. I know we talked about, you know, the process. And there was a, a tweet that uh, Mike Conti tweeted that, uh, since the quote-unquote process has begun, Atlanta has been in more Eastern Conference Finals than the Philadelphia 76ers, two to none. We talked about, obviously, continuing Atlanta being overlooked, uh, Trey being overlooked with comparisons to Luka. Trey is not – after last series, series, he's gone deeper than Luka has ever gone in the playoffs. And now Luka has his work cut out trying to get to the – Western Conference final on his, Finals on his side of things, and Trey Young's already gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the result of this to be determined, but it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this Hawks team compete against the Bucks. But on the Philadelphia side of things, um, bum crumb, uh, Ben Simmons. Uh, I, I would open it up to whoever you want to talk about. Ben Simmons, you want to talk about Seth Curry and my you know Nostradamus prediction of where he needed to stay below. You want to talk about Tobias? I'm going to open it up. So go go for it, guys. Go for it right now. Well, um, look, I mean, look. The Boom, crap. I just had to say it again. <laughs> David, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you to the Ben Simmons talk because I feel like you've got some nice stuff lined up, uh, some some well, some well-rounded thoughts there. Um, let's talk about Seth Curry, and by extension of that, let's talk a little bit more about Kevin Herter because, you know, star deserves a little more sh- – uh, the star of the game deserves a little more time here. Um. I thought it was impressive how aggressively the Hawks sought out to attack Seth Curry in this game, which has happened a lot throughout the series. But it was clearly a point of emphasis tonight that the best way to take this guy out as a shooter is to make him work on the other end and get him into foul trouble. And Kevin Herter took that task, put it on his shoulders and just... Did the did the Trey Young wave off in that that clip from a, a year or so ago where he's crossing up Lamarcus Aldridge? Just like wave him off. I got this, guys. Kevin Herter, he he, I mean, he hunted Seth Curry everywhere, all three levels, like you said, Brad. He was getting it to the hoop. He was getting his threes off. He was getting those little post up you know, middies going. I mean, he made it a point to make Seth Curry 
work as hard as he could on that end of the floor. Obviously, it, you know, the shot was, if the shot's not falling, then it's a different story, but it was. I think that everyone knew that Bogey was not 100%, and the Hawks aren't making it out of, out of a series like this unless they have someone other than Trey going from the perimeter, which wasn't even the case. It was, it was all Kevin Herter in that regard. Um, just his, his maturation as a player. Yeah, it, it, it's just it, it can't be stated. It can't be understated. I mean, the Hawks have had a really strong uh, track record over the last few years of developing guys. I mean, Trey came into the league like this as just like this phenom uh, passer and volume score. But he's clearly improved. I mean, his game management has improved in a lot of big ways. John Collins has expanded his game beyond the three point line. And for Kevin Herter, who when he came into the league, he was regarded as a three point shooter who had some potential as a secondary create, uh, playmaker. I mean, it, Brad, I don't know if you recall, and we had a, you and I did a preseason show where we were talking about all the new guys on the roster and what our expectations were. And I think by the end of it, you and I had determined that Kevin Herter was kind of the odd man on the outside here. Yeah. Cam, Cam Reddish, Bogey, and DeAndre Hunter figured to get the first crack at wing minutes. And Kevin Herter was like, look, I mean, he's good, but, but these three guys, they're going to be more important this season. And then injuries come in, attrition sets in. Kevin Herter winds up being the most available Hawk all season long, plays a ton of minutes, plays a ton of different roles, started off as the sixth man in this playoffs and is now the starting small forward, starting shooting guard for a lot of it too with uh, Bogey unable to play. He's The aggressiveness that he has in his game now, he, that the, t- the, the timid nature that he used to play with has completely just vanished. He would pass up open threes as a rookie. He would never get to the rim. He would never force contact. He has changed. It's, it's just, it's more so than any guy on this roster. He has developed, I, I think, more so. Uh, just in all these different uh, areas as a defender, as a shooter, as just, just a game manager. I mean, he is a very impactful secondary creator on this team. He, he had won us a couple of games in these playoffs off of that alone, I believe. Um, and you're not you're 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 one thousand percent correct. The Hawks would be remiss if they did not lock him up in this offseason because not only is he I mean, he is a he is a fixture in that locker room and he is evident. He is evidence of what our the Hawks program can do for guys. He has turned himself into an incredible two way player in the NBA. He is got there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be playing a featured role on this team, whether it be as the sixth man or whatever next season. Um, you can't say enough about what he did and taking it and exploiting that Seth Curry matchup and taking him out of a rhythm throughout the entire game was just what the doctor ordered. So that, that's my take on the whole Seth Curry and I guess more so Kevin Herter praise uh, element there. But I, I imagine that now it's time to get into the, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Ben Simmons side of things. Uh, David, well, I'll let you take it from here. I'm just gonna oh, sit back I, like Charlemagne right now. Oh yes, please. <laughs> I'm about to just sit back like Charlemagne. Here we go. Please, Hoopstradamus. Yeah, let me let me let me air my grievances here. I guess I first just want to start by saying, uh, you know, shout out to Kevin Herter. Kevin heard him, and he definitely did last night. Uh, straight out of Maryland, and that turtle was definitely snapping. I mean, he was snapping all over the court. So definitely love that performance. I think he's gonna get a big bag in the off season. And I really hope Joe Harris has his phone number, or vice versa, because <laughs> oh my goodness, can we can we can we talk about a difference? What a difference making some jumpers can make! Oh my goodness, making some jumpers and playing consistent defense. 
it's this crazy thing, you know, that I thought guys get paid to do. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Kevin Herter. He's definitely going to get paid. Love to see that performance. In regards to Philadelphia side of things, and more specifically Ben Simmons, where do I start? Definitely not at the free throw line. Not if I'm Ben Simmons. I mean, oh, abysmal. Man. Abysmal. Can we talk about the fact that I think he had no field goal attempts in three of the fourth quarters in the seven-game series? I mean, he's unplayable. He's unplayable down the stretch because he, to this point in his career, and again, things can change. He's got a whole offseason to work with now. Head back to Australia to land down under. Maybe he can start shooting from down under, you know, granny style. Just make a free throw. He has chosen to allow there to be limitations on his game to this point. And I don't know if those limitations are physical or mental, but the culmination of both on the court has been disastrous for the Philadelphia 76ers the past several seasons. Disastrous. Disastrous. Because he's unplayable. He's not a, a threat on offense. And you saw it last night when they got Trey Young shadow guarding him every time Philadelphia comes down the court because they know. And Simmons is not wise enough yet in his career to exploit matchups like that. And when he does, as you saw on the low post, where he's clearly athletic enough to be pretty good, he, he passes up the wide-open shots for a pass to the probably the only other player in this series, possibly in the NBA, that you would not want shooting a free throw then. But these Thibel, who is also a 60% free throw shooter. It, it is... I sound like Stephen A. The way I'm babbling. It's unconscionable. It's egregious. It is different. It is just disgusting. Okay? It is all those things. I mean, those are the moments when if you are a big-time guy, you make big-time plays. Okay? And you don't have to make the dunk. You get fouled hard. Go to the line. Okay? But at least make yourself a viable threat. Okay? Because they're guarding you like you're P.J. Tucker. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So I don't know what comes next for Philadelphia as far as Ben Simmons is concerned. But in my opinion, this is why Ben Simmons has, has always been more of a Draymond Green than a Giannis. Because I'm pretty sure Giannis averaged 30-something, 12-something rebounds, four or five assists a game. Ben Simmons, for his playoff career, Ben Simmons has cracked the 20-point marker in a game four times. Four times. Ben Simmons has been in the playoffs every season. He's a starter. He's playing the whole game. You only have four 20-point performances in the playoffs. Do you think your team is ever going to reach the conference final? I don't think so. Not unless you're Draymond Green playing next to Steph and Clay, and at one time KD. Okay, because if you are the number two, the Robin to the Batman, I sure hope the Joker doesn't show up with Harley Quinn because that is a fight you are not going to win. Oh, not wow. <laughs> not at all. So I don't know what's coming next for Philly, but trouble, trouble, man, trouble, man. Wow. I was right. I was, I was right to to, cl- uh, to clear out for him right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's like when LeBron is coming down the lane and um, no, one, no one wants to be in that poster. They just kind of just eh, let's skip to the side. Yeah. We're just going to skip to the side and let this man, David Bracey, cook. Uh, you, you did good. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all that whole time I was talking. I was just that LeBron, that you know, that picture of LeBron with the double wide headband in Miami. Yeah, of course, the Miami the whole time. Oh, got to, got to double band it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, like I said, so Philadelphia is going home packing. You know, uh, he was an irritant. 
he uh, I, I did have some uh, I kept it, you know, PG, but I, I, I was tired of Embiid's antics. Uh, but, you know, you got to tip your cap off, uh, sorry, to uh, an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, who did have a really great series. Uh, Tobias Harris, outside of one game, he did have a really good series. Uh, he did show up to play last night. Uh, wasn't as efficient as in game six, but 24 points, uh, 12 rebounds, four assists, two steals, only two turnovers. He definitely was a lot, a lot more aggressive in 45 minutes of play. Um, you talk about Ben Simmons because of his inept on the offensive side. Uh, he only had five points last night, 13 assists, eight rebounds, but the five points in uh, the the let's just say being afraid of the free throw line uh, and that, that right there kept kept him down to 36 minutes. Um, it, and when you when you're Ben Simmons and you're supposed to be one of the big three on this 76ers team and you only get five more minutes than Seth Curry, that's a problem. That's 100 percent a problem. Uh, but you know what? They can, you know, figure out those problems. In Cancun or wherever they're going, uh, beat the wherever vacation spot they're going to, you know, rest, relax, and um, trying to figure out where do, where do we go from here uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers for the offseason. They're going to have to figure that out. Where we're going, we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and we're going to go up against aforementioned Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Uh, Brooke Lopez, who has had some impactful moments um, as well in the game. So that, that's a series that I am. The Hawks have never played this team healthy all season long. Full strength, we have not played against the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee, they got some trees. You know, they're a good defensive team. We just played another good defensive team. They have one player on their team that's pretty much unguardable. We went against that in Philadelphia. So it's it, it comes down to like Allen said, execution again. Last night, as far as execution, we had a higher field goal percentage than the uh, 76ers. That's good in the execution uh, execution mark. Uh, three point shooting percentage, uh, twenty just under twenty six percent, and we still won the game. Got to better, got to execute better from the three point line. Uh, but hey, we won. It doesn't matter. We executed better from the free throw line, shooting seventy five percent last night. Rebounds, which is going to be a key stat against the Bucks, uh, with all those trees, uh, we're only minus four in the rebound margin uh, compared to Philadelphia. So we're going to have to continue to crash the boys as a team. Team assists, 22. We got to continue to share the ball. Nine steals, which is great on our part uh, for the Hawks. And the the big stat, I think the big difference in last night's game outside of just pure execution is turnovers. 17 turnovers for Philadelphia, 10 for the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks are going to have to keep that turnover margin low against the Bucks because you already know that Giannis likes to uh, gallop in transition. That's why he probably would be, you know, nice. All he had to do is put some antlers on. He could be the Milwaukee Buck uh, for life. But, uh, I mean, th- that's what they like to do. Um, we know that they can guard. We know that they can – you like to get out in trans- uh, transition. We know that, you know, Chris Middleton's going to knock down his shots uh, more so at home than on the road. But – he proved us wrong. We knew that Drew Holiday is a fighter. He's going to fight, you know, for a full 48 minutes. So this is going to be a challenge. This is definitely going to be a challenge uh, going up to Milwaukee game one. Great home crowd. Um, definitely, is, you know, with small market teams, they're going to be 150,000 percent behind their team outside of the city of New Orleans. Uh, so it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful matchup that 
I think game one, I want to say, is slated for Wednesday. Um, if, if that's correct, I'll open it up to the guys. It's Wednesday for game one. Yep. All right. So we, we have a few days. Um, um, Atlanta already touched down in Milwaukee, so they're going to have they're going to have an opportunity to probably have a, a nice little practice, a nice walkthrough film session to prepare for game one. Because we already know, we've seen it time in and time out. Game ones are a fill-em-out game. Probably not the best defense will be played in game one. Both teams are going to fill out what the other team is going to try to do to attack them. And so it, it, it's all about and it was a, both teams played emotional game sevens. So neither team has the advantage, in my opinion, in that regard. It's going to come down to who's going to have more energy, who's going to play with more effort, and who's going to execute more with what they're given um, on the court. And that's probably who's going to win game one. I mean, that's pretty simple. That's pretty manila, in my opinion. But we're going to see because from there, obviously, each team is going to make adjustments. And that's where the series really begins. So it's going to be really exciting. So um, I'm going to kick it to you, David, first. Keys for this series uh, going up against the Bucks, in your opinion. Well, I think for Atlanta, I mean, if there is any key, I think the key is consistency. You know, um, consistency series to series and late in the game. I think if they just continue to bring the same energy and intensity that they have brought thus far, they're going to be in a good place. Um, And I think another key for them, of course, is going to be tempo. Um, I think Milwaukee is definitely going to want to run. I mean, the Hawks clearly are well suited for that. But definitely being on the road, um, starting off in Milwaukee, you know, it's going to be loud. It's going to be intense, as we clearly saw during that Brooklyn series. And I think the way that they handle Madison Square Garden, clearly, I mean, it's not going to be like that. So they just got to remember, you know, there's going to be, I hate to say a level of expectation now because they're here and obviously the fans are going to want them to win. But I think just like both you and Alan have said, these, these guys still feel like they have a point to prove. And just as long as they continue to maintain that mindset, that mindset, um, I think they'll be in a good place. So, yeah, just coming out. And like I said, consistency. Yeah, and, and I think that the Hawks want to continue to play because we keep talking about on this program, they've only had four national televised games the entire season before the playoffs have happened. And this is, you know, them telling the league, hey, this is what you missed out when you didn't put us on ESPN, on TNT, for the world to see an ABC game. We're going to get all those games next year. Especially, uh, trust me, Philly, Atlanta is going to be on some national televised uh, syndicate at next year. It's going to be on one of those. Atlanta Knicks, it's going to be on national television. So, Bucks, I mean, they're must-see TV at this point. They're such a compelling story, compelling franchise, uh, young and up-and-coming. This is the begin. I keep telling people around Atlanta who – there's so many people here in Atlanta. It's such a big area, a lot of people here that just aren't – I get, I said, guys, this is your chance to get in on the ground floor for this team. This is a five-year window where they're going to have a team that could, could potentially compete for an NBA title, depending on the moves that they continue to make and the development that happens from here. And it's this is the foundation they're building on. And to build upon an Eastern Conference Finals appearance in the first year of that is is monumental. And, it, and the sky is truly the limit from here. Uh, but before I go deeper and deeper to, you know, altruism as far as what all this means, I'm going to kick it back to you, Alan. What is your keys? What are you looking forward to in this Milwaukee Bucks series? So 
I think that we can all agree, just on a talent perspective, the Milwaukee Bucks are probably uh, the most talented team left remaining. That is, unless Chris Paul and Kawhi, I mean, I think we'll know Chris Paul will find his way back. I don't know about Kawhi, but I, I think the Bucks are the most complete team talent-wise that are left in the playoffs. Um, yeah. And more, more than that, I, I think that they have, um, I really do think that they are as equipped as any team can be to really take advantage of some of our weaknesses. And the, the one key that I'm going to be focused on here in this series is going, I, I, I'll say this. I think our X factor is going to be Clint Capella in this yes. series. Yes. Um, and p- particularly I'm going to be interested to see how Milwaukee chooses to attack him. Cause we all know that Capella, that Capella is the engine of this defense. He's the anchor. He uh, is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. He is help defense covers up a lot of the deficiency deficiencies of some of our other defenders and the bucks have two guys that can are really and, and the bucks have a couple different directions that they can take to take them out of a rhythm and it starts with Giannis and brooke lopez um, yes i was going to i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah. if you didn't say it i was going to say it brooke lopez is the huge. x factor yeah he's huge because he can stretch stretch it out obviously shoot the three Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good rebounder, yeah. So that's going to be a matchup that I'm watching. Uh, so great well, minds so, think alike. Yeah, well, here's yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, most people think that he's going to be this. I mean, when you watch these games, Brook Lopez, he spends some time floating around the perimeter, but he's actually very effective down in the low post where you know centers usually are stationed on offense because he is a terrific offensive rebounder. He and Giannis, in fact, are three and four of remaining players in the playoffs and offensive rebounds per game. And we all know you and uh, the three of us talked about it. And the last time the three of us were on a show together, the Hawks biggest issue in the Knicks series, in my opinion, was that they continue to give up second chance opportunities to the Knicks. They cleaned that up a little bit against Philadelphia, but second chance points was once again, a big deal for them. And the bucks, they, they are very, that, that is critical to keep them off that offensive glass. And Capella is going to have his hands full in that regard alone. But let's talk about if Brooke Lopez is stationed outside on the perimeter. And let's just say that the Bucks make it a point of emphasis to get him going often and early. Yeah, you know, shot 36% from three in his last series against the Nets. Let's say that he's at that at least and he is getting, you know, multiple looks. Capella is probably going to start off as the primary defender on Brooke Lopez. And you're kind of left with two options if he's going to be stationed on the perimeter. You keep Capella on him, which would float him a little beyond the paint. And then that opens up all sorts of driving lanes for Giannis, for Middleton, for Holiday. All three of those guys can absolutely kill you going downhill. Um, they, they, they have slashers all over the place, and I don't think that would be sustainable. So your other option is to switch John Collins or Danilo Gallinari onto Brooke Lopez, which would probably then put uh, Capella on Giannis uh, as the primary defender there. And that matchup, I'm very interested to see how that goes because, I, I mean, Giannis's offensive game has been very criticized throughout the playoffs. Um, one thing's for sure, though, he is as effective a slasher in the league right now. And if he makes it a point when Capella's on him to attack, gets Capella into foul trouble, the Hawks are in trouble. I mean, real trouble. You, if, if Capella is either forced down to the perimeter or he is – constantly under a barrage from Giannis and he does get forced into, you know, ticky tack fouls, at the beginning of games, the Hawks defense is really just going to collapse. And I'm not trying to like throw up warning bells. I'm not trying to say that like, this is inevitable and this is going to be what happens. 
But this is no doubt going to be the biggest test that the Hawks are going to have to face. Philadelphia's offense is nothing compared to Milwaukee's, in my opinion. Um, the three, both in terms of three-point shooting and their ability to get into the hoop. I think Milwaukee's better at both. They, 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 kill, they can kill us on the offensive glass if you give them an opportunity. So Capella, more so than anyone, he's going to be tasked with staying out of foul trouble and staying, sticking to the defensive schemes that, where, that allow everyone to, to, just to thrive, not get beat. It's just going to be fascinating to see what the in-game adjustments are going to look like when Capella is going to inevitably be forced to deal with both of these behemoths on the in, on Milwaukee side of things. And it'll be interesting to see if these things come to fruition, who steps up to perhaps fill that void if Capella is forced to be on the sidelines. 100%. And, and all, in all the matchups uh, earlier versus the Bucks, you, you're 100% right. Protecting the rim is going to be key. And we, we lost, obviously, Link and Cam Reddish, who could potentially, I don't know, the, the door is cracked for maybe he can be available sometime in this series. His Link will be uh, really appreciated. We could put Cam Reddish or Middleton and and go from there. Um, Kevin Herter is going to have to be huge again because we don't know the you know the health of Bogey. He continues to be questionable. Obviously, he played yesterday, but uh, comes out. Can you look at the numbers of uh, players who? Because let's just say, like I said, the Hawks have not played the Bucks full strength all year. And the only players that played all three games against the Bucks are Kevin Herter, Solomon Hill, and Yekka Kongu, and Goodwin. I think Yekka Kongu is going to be pretty big in this series. Um, he had a really good series. He showed that he was not afraid. He was not um, backing down from the challenge of going up against Dwight Howard, who's been a uh, really good post player in this, year, uh, in this league for years. So Yekka Kongu is going to be big. But outside of if Bogey can play, that means obviously – increases the importance of Kevin Herter. John Collins, in my opinion, is going to be huge in this series. Uh, in two games this year, in two games against the Milwaukee Bucks, because uh, John Collins did not play one of them uh, due to injury, I want to say. Um, John Collins averaged 24 points against the Bucks. He averaged 15.5 field goal attempts. 15.5 field goal attempts. Shot 61% from the field, and he shot uh, absurd 58% from three. If, if John Collins is going to be pivotal in this series, in my opinion, um, I mean, depending on his matchup, like I said, he they're going to probably switch who is on Giannis. They're probably going to give him a bunch of different looks. They may um, try to trap him, um, whatever. Maybe Millen's going to figure that out. But John Collins, he's had a success against the Milwaukee Bucks this year, and I think that he is going to be licking his chops because he knows that, hey, we're going to be full strength. There's many different things that they're going to have to take account for, especially if Bogey can be healthy. Um, and if, let's say, best-case scenario, Cam Reddish does come, John Collins is going to be able to do a lot for this team, and I expect him to do a lot. Um, so that's going to be my X factor as far as on the Hawks side of things. Uh, and then, like I said, Brooke Lopez is going to be key key in this series, and um, I'm interested to see uh, probably going to be Drew Holiday on Trey Young. So the Hawks are going to definitely have to run some high pick and rolls to try to get 
uh, a very stingy defender in Drew Holiday off of him to give him some clean looks. So it's going to really be Kevin Herter, John Collins, Bogdanovich, if, if he is healthy, uh, Lou Wills, Gallinari off the bench. Gallinari also has some pretty decent games against the Bucks this year. It's going to be a team effort rebounding the ball, guarding the paint, uh, switching, communicating on defense, and, all, and obviously ball movement to get that defense for the Milwaukee Bucks moving side to side and open up cleaner looks for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, any other uh, X factors or keys for you, David, um, in the series? Um, just the ones, honestly, that you guys have already touched on. I'm definitely going to be very curious to see the matchup between Drew Holiday and Trey Young um, and how Drew does on Trey. That's kind of the guy he is, you know, supposed to be very well suited at guarding. Uh, yet I found it strange how much he seemed to struggle with Harden on one leg in the series against the Nets. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. So that'll definitely be interesting uh, because when Drew is on his game, he's very, very good defensively, obviously. And offensively, he was a little inconsistent. So if that piece can fall into place for the Bucks, that would definitely be uh, very, very pivotal for who's going to come out victorious in that series. And then as far as the Hawks side, um, definitely loved what Allen had to say about the, the Capella uh, Giannis matchup. Personally, if I'm Nate McMillan game one, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, I'm telling Clint Capella to go straight up. I'm telling him to stay vertical and I'm telling him to make Giannis into a jump shooter because if James Harden can wave off Landry Shamit for a double in the low post, uh, I think Clint Capella should be able to at least hold his own down there. He did pretty good against Embiid um, and, and Giannis is not as big as Embiid at least. Um, now, of course, he's much more athletic, but Again, the athleticism hasn't necessarily played into Giannis's favor uh, in the low post area all the time. So I'll be very curious to see how that goes, especially given Capella's, um, what I would say is pretty reasonable consistency guarding p- players on the perimeter. I mean, you saw it more in the Houston series, um, in the Houston games against, uh, you know, the Warriors and all those types of matchups. But I thought Capella always was, was very, very good um, given his size on the perimeter, you know, making guys honest, keeping guys honest. Uh, so I think he could do a pretty good job with Giannis out there because just like Alan said, I mean, if you if you pull him out of the out of the blow post on, on Lopez, I mean, it's going to be all day. It's going to be all day. And, and that's what Drew does. That's what Middleton does. That's what Giannis does. Uh, and you saw what the Bucks did, especially in that series against the Nets. They loaded up one side of the court, had Giannis on the other. And then Giannis was going in the low post, banging and then swinging, switching the court for wide open threes. You just don't want to put yourself in that type of position where you're more relying on Capella to close out on shooters than just keep them honest, because I think that might be a little bit bigger of an ask. So yeah, personally, I'm putting Collins out there. I'm having him shadow guard Lopez, who has yet to figure out that he is huge and is pretty good in the low post to Allen's point, especially offensively rebounding. I don't know why he never put that together against the Nets. It, it, so many things about Brooke Lopez <laughs> drive me crazy. Um, but again, you know, that's that's just the way it goes. But yeah, I'm, I'm putting Collins out there. I'm putting Collins on him because, again, I, I rely on Collins and his athleticism on the perimeter to be able to close out a, lo- a little bit quicker than Capella, uh, to be able to recover to the rim a little bit quicker than Capella. And like I said, like like Alan said, Capella is the is the anchor to that defense around the rim. And if you pull him out there, we saw what happened to Gobert. I just I, I don't know. I don't know. So be very curious to see how those matchups pan out. Could I, uh, y'all mind? I, I want to pick something up real quick about what uh, David. I loved everything that you just had to say, and I, I it actually kind of I want to lead it to a point. Um, 
that frustration about Brooke Lopez, you know, like, you know, why, like, why hasn't he just figured out that he can outmuscle all these guys on Brooklyn? He could, uh, you know, he can be such a slow post presence. And I think this is a, an opening for us to have the, the, the coach bud conversation here, which Hawks fans, listeners, we all know coach bud, you know, NBA fans, y'all are all aware of the current coach bud slander. That's always been the case with coach bud. And he, it's the case. He's just, he, he's, he's as stubborn a coach as there is right now in the NBA. He has had maddening decisions and refusals to make certain adjustments, in particular, not having guys attack Harden when he was coming in that game five where he could not move. Like all these just different elements of like, you know, like there's so like the, like the Bucks people have been begging the Bucks to be become more of a switchable team, which they, you know, they, they did a little bit more of in those final two games, but it took a long time for them to get there. It'll be really interesting to see if which kind of which Budenholzer holes are we 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 see game uh, scheme wise in this one because the Hawks have some exploitable matchups just given the, the state of our roster. If Bogey is hurt and he's not able to play, that means that we're going to see a lot more of Lou Williams and Gallinari. And in particular, the Hawks have been able to have successfully played these Trey Young Lou Williams uh, backcourt lineups that have been pretty successful in the playoffs. I, if I'm the Bucks and I see those two out there. You know, I'm going to be doing everything I can to be getting my slashers or just like Middleton, really Middleton or Giannis onto any of those guys, like running Lou off the floor. No one's really done it yet, um, you know, which has been great for the offense, especially just in these times where Bogey or Herr doesn't have it going. Lou Williams, usually one of those three is able to get theirs. I'll just be it'd be fascinating to see. I mean, this is a gigantic moment for for, for Mike Budenholzer as, as a head coach with every, everything that, you know, people have been talking about that he should have been fired, <laughs> even despite the fact that they won that series against the Nets. Um, and to be in a situation, too, where he's now in this Eastern Conference Finals against his the former team, and I can I can say that there's not a whole lot of love for Budenholzer in the in the Hawks front office. I think they were they were cool seeing him go. They, they had a pretty combative relationship when he was down here. Um this is a big this is a the spotlight's kind of on him now and, and, and i've been saying i've been a lot of this conversation has been from the bucks perspective but i do think it's just interesting to consider that you know if the hawks are not at full strength there's no bogey if cam reddish can't you know <laughs> gallop in over the horizon to the rescue like oh my god cam reddish is now in these playoffs what like if, if we're just kind of cut down to our primes here what's milwaukee gonna do to take advantage of that or are they just gonna let us do what we've been doing this whole postseason and just continuing to dice guys up with these high-octane offensive lineups. I'm fascinated to see how that one goes. Uh, the, the, the Budenholzer uh, discourse is going to be very uh, loud in this series. Yeah, and it's funny how some people say it's an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. Well, for us, it's a sometimes consistent, sometimes not force as far as offensively versus a a movable object that was exploited by the Nets and other teams in the playoffs at time. So both teams have chink, uh, like, like a chink in armor, let's say. Um, and like you said, Alan and David as well, matchups that can be exploited. But it's just a matter of, in my opinion, it goes back to my point. Game one, fill them out. Go out. Know your game plan. Know your offense. With the little film you have, hey, Go out there and just play hard. Just play hard. Whoever plays harder is going to win game one. Like that, that's what it always comes down to. Whoever plays harder 
is going to win game one. See what they're going to do. You already know they're going to try to do things on offense to obviously get Giannis, you know, going downhill, get Middleton in his spots, get Drew Holiday in his spots, and let Drew Holiday create for others. We already know what they're going to do on defense. Uh, then, then we know that they can get in your grill and then play some really, really solid defense on you. We talked about P.J. Tucker, who is going to – I'm really interested to see who they're going to put P.J. Tucker on um, in this series because we already know how impactful he could be as a defender. And obviously he is one of the most efficient corner three shooters in NBA history. So we're going to have to be attached to those shooters as well, uh, similar to like how we played um, Embiid. Embiid. Obviously – Giannis is faster than Embiid, a little bit more mobile than Embiid, obviously, with the injury. Um, talking about Joel Embiid. But the Hawks, as much as we, we need to stop Giannis, we know that Giannis can do it all that he wants to. But if he doesn't get his contributions from Middleton, if he doesn't get his 12, 14 points from Lopez, you don't get your contributions from uh, consistent contributions from Drew Holiday and either one other player off the bench, whether it's a Forbes, whether it's a Connington, um, whoever is coming off the bench for the uh, Bucks, I mean Portis, if he is available, um, you 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 then you're gonna win the game. You're going to win the game. So as much as it as we need to key in on Giannis, we need to just like I said, throw a bunch of bodies, make it hard on him. We need to make it hard on everybody else. So offense is going to be obviously a key. We're going to have to be able to score points, and I think we will be able to score points in this team, uh, especially with the confidence that we've been playing with as of late, but it's always going to come down to defense, and I really thought that the defense honestly the last two games has been pretty good for the Hawks, uh, even though they lost that game six. I thought it was pretty good defense, especially on Embiid that game. Talk about Capella and Collins, other people who guarded him. Pretty good defense as well last night on Embiid as well. Um, I think this, so. The thing is, Atlanta's not going to be afraid of the challenge. They're not going to back down from the moment, and they ha- they haven't all they haven't all playoffs. Like like both of you said, that Hawks have something to prove. I mean, I'm not I mean, I'm not trying to bite off a little baby. I'm not trying to bite off a little baby, Atlanta native. Uh, by, the way, by the way, shout out Quavo dancing in the locker room again. And number a little bit of straightening, but we're going to go up to uh, Milwaukee. We're going to try to straighten things out. Game one, see what's up. We're going to go from there. So I'm not going to get too much more into the series. We're going to let things play off. We got Wednesday. It's coming. We're still kind of basking in the glory, glory in this game. I, I like to do the 24-hour rule, so we have at least another six, seven hours to celebrate this win before moving on and shifting gears to fully focus on the Milwaukee Bucks and figuring out which Atlanta, uh, which player on the Milwaukee Bucks is that the Atlanta Hawks fans actually going to hate. Um, I know Embiid was really pretty villainous uh, last series. Uh, Seth Curry was very frustrating for a lot of Hawks fans. Uh, we're going to see who is going to be those guys uh, for the Bucks. And like I said, hostile crowd, we're going to go out, play with energy, play with effort game one, see what happens there. Game two, obviously, adjustments. Uh, just, hey, do what you've been doing all playoff series, Hawks. Just try to take one. Just try to take one in Milwaukee, and we'll see where it goes from there. So um, I'm going to kick it to you, David, first. Uh, it's your opportunity to have any you know closing remarks or anything there um, that you want to say to the audience. So this is your opportunity to do that, either referring to the series or yourself. Well, in regard to the series, yeah, just looking forward to the games. Uh, sad that it's going to be a quiet Monday night here with no NBA basketball. Uh, Joel and Bede cry face at that, but, you know, the process continues. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited, for, I'm excited for game one. 
Um, and as always, man, just very appreciative for you having me on the production. Uh, great group of guys here, obviously. Uh, very proud of your Hawks and you know, couldn't have picked two better guys to be doing a lot of coverage for them. So really proud of all the hard work you guys have been doing and it's paying off. So go Hawks and go hoop ball. Go Hawks and go hoop ball. Alan, you know what it is. My friend. Any closing remarks and obviously letting the audience know what you got going on. Uh, yeah, I have uh, I have a couple of things. Well, uh, first one, uh, you know, I, I just want to make it just a point now. Anytime I'm on the program, just to to give him a shout out, Anyeka Kongwu. Those minutes, man, were so he. he I, I just I love yes. everything I'm seeing from him. And let's just be real, like not no jokes. He played as good a defense on Joel Embiid in Game Seven as anyone did at any point of the series. Um, I, I thought he could any time that those few minutes that Okongu actually had on Embiid, I, I don't think Embiid got, had any of it, anything in his bag working there. I think he did a really effective effective job using his his quickness and energy to limit any real uh, just Embiid domination <laughs> in the post or elsewhere from coming to fruition. I think he was big there, and honestly. Let's just—he's become a pretty important rotation piece in that the stuff we were talking about with Capella uh, earlier. If there—if foul trouble does arise, it'll be really fascinating to see the rookie in a position where he might pick up some slack. It's definitely something that I could see in this series. Um, so too. shout Me out, too. shout out, Yucca Kongwu. Uh, but, but before uh, you know, I, I sign us off here. Do you guys have some time for some out-of-pocket questions that, that I have here, <laughs> just to bask in this glory? Uh, of this Philadelphia one, just a, just a few like little parting shots, maybe just just want to get yeah. y'all's thoughts on this. Yeah. <laughs> David offline says some out of pocket things in our group chat and gets suspended, so I'm sure David is ready. I'm well, always put, out of pocket. I know. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I got you guys here, and, and we'll we'll keep it clean. Um, but I do feel like you know these are these are important questions that we do need to find uh, some answers for. The first one, uh, given the proceedings. Should Brett Brown be a head coaching candidate with some of these openings that we're seeing right now? No. <laughs> that, that, that's a resounding. You don't you don't no. think that there was some pro Brett Brown stuff that came out of this series? No, I don't think so. Um, I think this is more of a. I I definitely think it's more a reflection of personnel and players and what's between their ears and their heart as far as playing the game. We're not obviously not challenging the love of the game, but I'm talking about like that adversity, that confidence you know, that David alluded to that the little deer in the headlights look that some of those players had when they were down and knocked in the mouth. Uh, I think that's, that's a lot of personnel. That's a lot of, you know, something that those players have to figure it out. But I, I Brent Brown had plenty of time, plenty of time, he had pieces. He had the full support of the organization to make an impact. Yes, they were younger. They had to, you know, go through some tough, hard lessons. But it was clear that he could not connect with his two star players on that team. And I think in order for him to get an opportunity, he needs to be in a situation where he is on staff somewhere, um, contributing to a contender, maybe like a Jason Kidd or and Chauncey Billups, others that are on good rosters. He's picking his brain uh, of other people on staff. He gets to actually have a little bit more of a personal relationship with players and maybe try to get some, you know, connectability there and really learn how to impose your system 
but also relate to the players in today's game. Um, how are you going to get the most out of these players? I mean, Nate, Nate McMillan is clear. Nate McMillan gets the most out of his players. And between Nate McMillan and even Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers is known to get, get the most out of his players too. Um, so that's, that's why I said, yeah, we can blame partially personnel as far as for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers part, but you, you got to see eye to eye. You got to see eye to eye. And I personally, and I've said this before, I don't know if Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers necessarily see eye to eye. And that's where I think if, if a trade does happen, it probably may be Ben Simmons. I mean, yes, he has a lot of work to do offensively. And Doc Rivers just came out with a quote saying that Ben Simmons is prepared to do that. And that's why Ben Simmons' status, you know, playing for Australia in the Tokyo Olympics is questionable probably because the work he does need to put in to focus on the next NBA season. But in that same breath, I, I just don't, don't think that – I think Brent Brown needs some time away from the game um, as a head coach, maybe still having a role in the day-to-day operations, you know, coaching, you know, get building relationships with players. And from there, if he can, you know, develop a good enough reputation with some of these younger players, give him an opportunity on, the, on another um, franchise. That uh, – Great answer. Um, it, clearly, uh, Brad does not have uh, Ben Simmons uh, higher than Brett Brown in the process blame totem poll that is now uh, we are revi- we are as a public actively revising. Right Boom crumb. Boom crumb. <laughs> that, that being said. Uh, yeah, the bum crumbs, they need to get like a vacuum or something, man. Like get, just get the, they got, they got to get between the cushions there. It seems like with the process, um, get them a Roomba. Well, Roomba might play, uh, you know, Roomba might take that layup right there. Yeah, that oh, nice. um, he definitely would pass it to the Roomba. The, the, other, uh, the other one I had, uh, what do you think, what do you think John Collins can now uh, add to his home uh, off the sales of these uh, posterizing and bead shirts that he was rocking in the postgame? You think he can add like a full wing to his house? Are we talking, talking backyard pool, maybe an indoor jacuzzi? Like, you know, what, what do you think, uh, what level do you think he's going to be reaching here with, um, those shirts, which I will say I, I, I have gotten my own. <laughs> I I'm going to I'm going to pass this to David. David, um, if, for those who don't know, David has a really keen eye for interior design. And um, I, I think this is a question that um, the great David Bracey could answer. Uh, so, David, what do you think? Um, what could what, what could John Collins get? Well, what I would assume has already been commissioned is some type of sculpturesque statue that will probably go in the, I would assume the backyard and overlook what I have to assume again, is just a, the most magnificent of infinity pools. Um, so every day as the beautiful sun rises on the great state of Georgia and it crests right over that hill and glistens off that water, just like the Washington monument, he's going to be staring at his monument of that monumental moment in the NBA playoffs this year. When he absolutely just house and beat. And in regards to the bum crumbs, they definitely need more than a Roomba. The whole city of Philadelphia is about to be pink eye. Okay. This is getting out of hand. This is getting out of hand. Okay. They need to do something. Bad. The statue is just, yeah, no, I, I, I hope maybe, maybe like some fountains around it too. Like, you know, make it like kind of like oh, a absolutely. tranquil garden. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, John no, Collins, that... if you're listening, by all means, please, you can get a hold of me, DFB underscore three on Twitter. I'm available <laughs> for consultation. Or just send me a shirt, my brother, okay? I'll rock it. Hawks and foe. Ooh. Hawks and foe. 
two four. I, I, I think he's I, I think he's playing on the, the Phoenix Suns. No, I know, I know. I, I, I'm I'm <laughs> just imagining now uh, David here just becoming uh, our version of Hawks and four, uh, of Suns and Four guy. Um, yeah, I, I don't think David gonna be in public uppercutting people. Uh, I, I just from knowing you're David. right. It's what? all jabs in public. All jabs. <laughs> I'm all business. Okay. <laughs> Chin music, but that's be, another production. This will be a classier Hawks and Six down here, I think. You know, just like you, we'll just you know, we'll pass them by in the hallway, just like you know, cut in front of them, and be like, hey, excuse me, uh, Bucks fans, just just so you know, Hawks and Six. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't worry about those Game Seven tickets. It's fine. Yeah. Well, and it's only fitting that it would be a more classy matchup. You know, you have the Cream City and you got the Peach State. Uh, shout out to 112 Peaches and Cream sounds oh so nice to me, and it's the perfect time for it. So, like I said, I'm really looking forward to this series. Um, and yeah, the bum crumbs getting out of hand. Get out of here. Wipe them up. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, those, say, those, those are the two ones I had, really. Um. <laughs> and, and, and it sounds like I, I got a, you know, out-of-pocket question uh, for, you, for you, Alan. Um, Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, big, big moment here in the city of Atlanta. Everybody pulled up. Game six. We had the mayor. We had Jack Harlow. The Migos were there. I'm going to ask, and this could be open to either of you guys. Will Future make an appearance during this Easter Conference Finals at oh, some man. point? If if he does, I want it to be. I, it, it needs to be like this grand showing, like you know, where it's at halftime. Yeah, everybody's just looking around, like, hey, what's the halftime show? What's what, what, what what's going on here? And then just like this, the the floor in the middle of the stadium just opens up. He rises up. He got smoke everywhere. It's just going nuts, and he just does the little Trey Young bow. And goes to his seat center court. That's how I'd like to see the introduction uh, if he does make an appearance in the series, which I think would be it would be wise if he did. We, we could use him. Um, and David, um, if he doesn't have halftime of a, a, a performance, what is the song that you want him to perform? Mm, that's tough because he has so many classics, so so many classics. Uh, probably thought it was a drought. Because I think the Ooh, NBA that's what there I was a too. drought in Atlanta. That's what I thought. Uh, and very clearly, we have found the river basin, my friends. Okay, it is it is all kinds of wetty out there, as wet as those lemon pepper wings. Okay, so if you ain't heard, now you heard. Okay, and that's the way it goes. And as far as the last game goes, you said that the mayor was at the game. Jermaine yes. Dupree is still the mayor of Atlanta. <laughs> I heard nothing but facts there. I, I can't. We can't. We got to be honest. It's still Jermaine Dupree City. We're just living in it. Mm. Well, welcome to Atlanta, where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. And we are going to ride out here, obviously continuing to celebrate what happened last night, but look forward to. A very highly anticipated game one of Milwaukee on Wednesday night. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody that this is now the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks, who are in the Eastern Conference Finals against all odds. For all you you non-believers, I still remember what y'all said, right? About us playing the Knicks. I still remember Alan Bruski in the, in the gang. Devin picking against my Knicks. And here we are. In the words of uh, that, that old guy on one of those random skits in uh, Family Guy. Y'all laughed at me. Y'all laughed at me. But you know what? We getting the last laugh now as I'm licking the lemon pepper 
wet sauce off of my fingers right now here in the booth. So share this podcast with fellow Hawks fans, Atlanta sports fans, NBA fans, basketball enthusiasts, purists. Doesn't matter if you're getting into this team on the ground level, you're joining on the bandwagon. This is the podcast for you. So share this show with everybody. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett. 67 on Twitter as Brad J A R R E T T 67. Sheesh! Let's go off. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.